this isn't uh, just about, you know, trying to reform the police department, which is something we've been working on for a long time. This is really about a reallocation of public dollars and investing in a way that reverses generations of racist policies. And that's Seattle City Council member Tammy Morales talking about participatory budgeting, a process that is moving forward slowly for the Seattle City Council. It's also under investigation by the state auditor. What is next for that $30 million project? How much help do small businesses and nonprofits need as we emerge from the COVID pandemic? And who's in, who's out as we reach the deadline for candidates filing for office? We have a full plate today. We'll help you digest it here on Seattle News, Views and Brews, your Coffee Break political podcast. Brian Callanan here with you. I'm a host on Seattle Channel. The views expressed here are my own. My co-host, it's been two weeks since his second vaccination shot and crank up the Ozzy Osbourne, he's flying high again. Kevin Schofield of Seattle City Council Insight. How you feeling, man? I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. You know, just yep. the, the, the feeling of like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to die in this pandemic. <laughs> Like, that's, a, that's a good feeling to have. Yeah, not worry. Yeah, you know, after spending over a year worrying about that, with, yeah, you know, with everybody yeah. else on the planet. It's like, no kidding. Whew, okay, yeah. made All it right. to the other side now. Go, yeah, move on to the next challenge, right? All right. Well, thanks also to City Grind Espresso, our background noise sponsor for the audio podcast. Please do support them. Pick up a gift card online if you can. Thanks also to our patrons. We had Nathan become a patron on Patreon last week. Thank you very much, sir. And our mugshot of the week. Let's take a look. Emma sends this one in from West Seattle. We thank her and so many others for supporting this show and keeping it going. If you would like to do the same, we'd be much obliged. Please help us out on Patreon if you can. And of course, thanks always to Converge Media, which runs the video version of our podcast on their YouTube channel Wednesday nights at 7. Let's get rolling with right here, right now. Kevin, we got a ton to focus on here for the Seattle City Council as we head toward the Memorial Day weekend. I want to start with the council's work to try to help out small businesses and nonprofits. So we're talking about these payment plans that these businesses have set up during the COVID pandemic here. Now the council wants to make sure that any rent paid with that payment plan is not considered overdue. It also says that if rent is paid within a year of this declared end of the COVID emergency, then it shouldn't be considered overdue. This is one of many tenant protection pieces in place right now, Kevin. Let's talk about what they're trying to do for businesses here. Yeah, so this closes uh, a loophole or a you right. know, vagueness in the original ordinance that they passed. That uh, there were apparently some uh, some commercial tenants who had been hearing from the landlords that the just the fact that they'd been running late and agreed to a payment plan. Uh, was you know the landlords are interpreting this as tacit uh, you know uh, agreement yeah. that they were late right? yes right which could right. potentially be a cause for eviction once the eviction moratorium is lifted yes right right and so this update that the, the city council is going to pass this week makes it clear that agreeing to payment plan makes it you know that that's yeah. not late rent right, right right and I just see so many different pieces falling into place here because I know. The council's working on some stuff with uh, the people, residential uh, renters as well. I think a lot of people are really feeling the heat of that June 30th eviction moratorium deadline yeah. there. I mean, I'm seeing yeah. Councilmember Swan, Councilmember Morales talking about this too. I think, you know, one of the biggest things is is the King County has just announced an enormous amount of rent assistance. Yeah. Right. Will be available. Every, But you're right. Everybody is lining up right now to make sure that um, we minimize the, the trauma that occurs yeah. to a whole bunch of people into the system as a whole mm -hmm. if the eviction moratorium is in fact lifted 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, the Seattle residential one may continue on. The city council, yeah, their, talked about their that. moratorium is supposed to go six months after the lifting of the declared know, the kind pandemic. Of emergency, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, that will continue on for a bit. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's there's definitely a lot of people who are worried. Yeah, and, and yeah. probably rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got a lot to think about ahead here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we're just about a month away from the end of that uh, moratorium deadline as it, as it stands right now. Uh, speaking of Councilmember Morales, I wanted to move on and talk about her work on participatory budgeting that is happening right now. So last week, she had a meeting of her Community Economic Development Committee to discuss basically the plan ahead. Again, this is that $30 million plan. It's been caught up with a lot of problems, how the contract for the Black Brilliance Research Project was awarded, how this $30 million should be spent, the state auditor looking into some of these issues now. So there's been some proposed legislation to free up about $17 million of this $30 million that the council set aside to administer a participatory budgeting program and pay for the projects that went out based on community support. There's also a million dollars set aside for the Office of Civil Rights to find an organization that'll set up this program, get some of these proposals in place. So Kevin, we talked about this last week. Do you have any clear answers as you see here on what's what's happening now with this? Are, are we closer to finding some answers? Yeah, so uh, at the hearing last week, mm-hmm. um, Morales basically gave no answers to a bunch of, of yeah. stuff. You know, the, it was is more, you know, sort of what we had talked about uh, you know, last, last week. Last week, yeah, that framework that, to it, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, a million dollars to Office of Civil Rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the one thing that got a little clearer was um, she gave a little more reasoning as to why they were not going with the Department of Neighborhoods, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That, that there were, there had been some internal acquis- uh, accusations from, uh, staff members of, mm. of city departments who yeah. said that they were unhappy with the way that uh, uh, Deputy Mayor Tiffany Washington okay. and the Department of Neighborhoods had sort of run the whole process of putting together these two proposals for how to go forward with participatory budgeting. So okay. they were really, okay. you know, so Morales was looking for different leadership. To have, yeah. but, you know, there'll be big challenges for the Office of Civil Rights because yeah. this is the biggest thing that they've ever done, and they, you know, would have to go hire, you know, yeah. three people to go do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and then go run a, um, a RFP to go find an organization. Yes. Does that organization need to be local? Does yeah. it need to be remote? Yeah. It, just like, you know, all these big questions that still need to be answered. So, yeah. you yeah. know, Morale said that her hope is that they get all that done and get an organization, a third-party organization to run this in place by the end of this year. So right. So the thing could really happen next year. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it struck me in that meeting, though, there was a New York City Council member that was involved for a brief period talking with the Seattle City Council. He talked about how participatory budgeting was working in New York. It sounds like in NYC, this money is distributed basically by district, and then those council members connect with constituents, kind of get some feedback, whatever else, and then out those dollars go to capital projects there. I thought that was an interesting structure. Does yeah. something like that work here in Seattle? What do you think about that? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of interesting parts of this. One yeah. is, uh, of what he said. One is that he said they focus largely on capital projects right. because they're one-time funding. That, yes. that participatory budgeting is kind of a challenge for ongoing programs, right? I was right? going to say, That doesn't yeah. mean there aren't, you know, one-time programs that you could do. There are certainly one-term, but... But you know, new priorities come up, projects. et cetera. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. so that, that's interesting to know and learn about kind of what's a sweet spot for participatory budgeting. It's not ongoing programs. And in, in a case like this where, you know, they're thinking of what can we create in the community that will, you know, create alternatives to policing 
that certainly sounds more like ongoing programs. Sure so does. Yeah. This might be a way to pilot new things, but yeah. it means there'll have to be more kind of funding along the way. Yeah. The other part was, as you mentioned, that that you know uh, he said that how it works in in New York City is mm-hmm. every city council member, and there are like fifty of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's a big council. No, thank members. you. Yeah, I don't want to cover that. Um, keep, keep going. <laughs> uh, each one of them gets five million dollars in discretionary spending right. within yep. the district. Yep. And. You know, some of the city council members put a million towards participatory budgeting. Yes. He, in particular, tends to put $4 million towards yes. that and lay right. know, $1 million to themselves. But, you know, in big cities like New York City and Chicago, you know, this is, you know, this is a thing that you see that is sort of a double-edged sword. This notion mm. that, like, city council members are, are sort of lords over their, their own district, where they personally make decisions about how a large chunk of money is spent right. within those districts mm-hmm. and it makes them very very powerful yeah. political figures within their district yeah right so you know it th- that is something that they could potentially do and you know and say okay let's get city council members more involved in it and really sort of divide this up more by district right they could they you know they could give it give the council members less discretion and say, okay, no, we're just going to say there's $5 million or however many, you know, millions of dollars per district to, you know, to be spent on participatory budgeting and keep the city council members out of the decision entirely as to sort of how much, how big is that pot and how is Mm -hmm. the money spent? Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's, there is definitely a downside that a lot of, you know, big cities have seen Mm -hmm. to giving, uh, council members that much yeah. direct control over yeah. how money or you know is spent within their district. Right. It it can lead to a lot of interaction. I know that council member was talking about a lot of his constituents. Uh, he he, much of that money was or a lot of that money was spent in his district. Maybe some of the other districts weren't spending as much, so it turns into some potential equity issues there. I I thought that was very interesting. And you're right. I mean, I think about the city of Seattle. We're relatively new to this whole district thing. And I think figuring out these different pieces of it and the d- dynamics involved when there's dollars on the line, there's going to be an interesting conversation, a big one that uh, maybe even goes beyond this project, I would say. And I, you know, I think another part of it, too, is just thinking about the equity issues around yeah. it as, yeah. as well, right? So, you know, we know that there have been decades and decades of underinvestment right. in certain areas of the city, right? If it's, you know, every district gets... $4 million or $5 million or something as part of the participatory budgeting thing. Well, that's not going to undo underinvestment. Right, right. That's a drop. They'll make sure that there is some investment in every district. Sure. But it's still going to be peanut buttering and across the yep. whole city. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. One of my right. favorite verbs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's um, no, true. But, but yeah. So, I mean, if, if the intent is, if the hope is we can spend more mm-hmm. in the districts that have been underinvested in. Right. Well, we need to figure out what yeah. the math How do you is level that, that out uh, yeah. that allows us to 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 do that. Yeah, boy, that's an interesting conversation ahead. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead. And right now we're going to continue with the ongoing saga of a police discipline issue in our next segment here. Now hear this. So the Seattle City Council is following up on this announcement from Seattle Police Department Interim Chief Adrian Diaz from last week. He overturned a finding from the Office of Police Accountability about who was responsible for the order that led to blast balls, pepper spray, tear gas during an incident back in June of last year. The chief basically said it wasn't this supervisor, this person here, this named employee, as we've heard it called. It was someone higher up in command. But the chief didn't say who, 
and it's not clear if or how an investigation to find out who's actually responsible is going to happen. Here's how Public Safety Committee Chair Lisa Herbold reacted to that last week after a flurry of letters with the chief. I think there are still questions about the holding of the uh, named employee um, uh, accountable for those decisions, but I'm going to hold my um, my uh, sort of judgment on on that decision based on what we find out about um, the direction and the orders being given by um, individuals that are higher up in the chain of command. So, Kevin, you covered this in Seattle City Council Insight, this back and forth between the chief and council member Herbold. For me, now it's really not clear what's going to happen next year. Is it uh, an investigation by the chief? Is OPA still involved here? What happens now? Yeah, it, it is weird and complicated Yeah, because uh, Chief Diaz is saying more information has come out since the OPA investigation right. that, that apparently points to somebody higher up. Mm-hmm. Chief Diaz hasn't said who the higher up is. Um, at the Community Police Commission meeting last week, sure. OPA Director Andrew Meyerberg said he hasn't received more information from SPD mm. on this, right? Yeah. So, you know, Technically, SPD isn't supposed to be doing its own investigation of this sort of thing. This, right. That's what OPA is supposed job. to be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if SPD is actually withholding information from OPA, that's another whole world of trouble yeah. that, that yeah. SPD is causing for itself. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, it is really unclear where this goes from here. And, and Chief Diaz may be just digging himself a deeper and deeper hole the farther he goes into this. Right. Yeah, I, I see him answering these different letters from Councilmember Herbal, but the answers that come back to her are not really any clearer. And you you threw a few and, of those letters in there too. Yeah, and the answers that he's giving the OPA and yeah, CPC right, right. are not any better. Yeah, right. Yeah. So at least he's at least he's being consistent about right. being vague and, <laughs> right. and, and yeah, not ex- answering anybody's sure. questions. But mm-hmm. but uh, at the end of the day, we still need you know we still need to figure out who was responsible. Maybe yeah. Diaz is right that there is no information that says it, you know, it wasn't the line officer. Yeah. It was somebody higher up the line, but sure. uh, there's no evidence right. yet. So yeah. that, and you know, at the end of the day, chief Diaz, you know, if, if he wants people to believe him and support his position, he's going to have to cough up some evidence. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see, we'll see where he goes with that one, but I did want to touch on one other uh, piece of police news here. The council still slogging through this idea of cutting the SPD's budget by $5.4 million. This of course, leading back to a disagreement about overtime charges from the SPD last year. Uh, The council looked like it might have this on the agenda for this week. Now we're not, where are we on this? I imagine the federal monitors may be giving some feedback or where do you think we are on this, Kevin? Well, uh, my, you know, the city council has not given any uh, official explanation of why yeah. it's not on the, on the agenda. Yeah. It's not entirely surprising that it's still going out for them yeah. because where they left it when they voted out of the committee was they were essentially at an impasse as yes. they could tell with, with the police monitor. The police yeah. monitor, his communications basically said, I don't think there should be any cuts to SPD's yeah. budget. Yeah. Right? Even a two even a you know two million dollar cut. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and unless Lisa Herbold has managed to push him off that position. Yeah. And you know, there are reasonable arguments for saying, hey, you know, they can stand a little bit of a cut right, on right. this because mm-hmm. the attrition is high enough now yes. and their hiring plan is fixed enough right. that they are not going to spend all their payroll. Yeah. Right? So there is right. money there that could be used this right. year. 
right. for other purposes. If, yeah. if it's just not going to get this, that you know, the pushback on that could be, well, look, you know, the SPD has to be able to potentially do more overtime, potentially sure. do other things right. to allow them, you know, to spend money to compensate for the fact that they are dramatically understaffed. Yeah, I was going to say, and that attrition mm-hmm. keeps on coming. It, it's almost, right. unfortunately, feeding itself, it, it seems but, like to me, losing more and but, more office. But to date, SPD hasn't proposed a plan for yeah. how they would spend all that salary saving. They right. proposed a plan for some of it, yeah. and, and the city council, you know, in their latest you know, revision, the latest amendment to sure. this uh, proposed $5.4 million cut, basically yeah. grants them everything yeah. that they asked for in yeah. that. Right. And there's still more salary savings on top of that. Yeah, right. So, so you know, the weird position where the city council is saying, okay, we're fully <laughs> we'll funding your staffing yeah. plan. Mm-hmm. You asked to keep a bunch of the money to, to mitigate the staffing shortages. And mm-hmm. we said yes to that. Yep. There's still more salary savings. And we want to take some of that back and put some right. for budgeting. Right. And the police monitor is saying, yeah. I just don't like this plan yeah. of like yeah. taking money away from SPD. The optics of it are, are part of it too. So, I, I know that's so a piece it, of it. It still seems to be at an impasse and maybe behind the yeah. scenes they're trying to negotiate yeah. into that impasse, but yeah. nothing public yet on that. Yeah, we'll see where the Public Safety Committee goes with this this week, but some important information ahead there. I wanted to touch on another meeting that's happening this week, the Committee on Homelessness coming up here. This one got a little heated a couple of weeks ago, fighting over street sinks, hygiene facilities there for homeless people. This week, we are, uh, we're expecting an update perhaps on that and the Just Care program run by King County. What are we going to hear about Just Care? Is the city going to team up with the county on this program or, or what's next? Uh, nobody tipped their hat yet on uh, tipped their yeah. hand yet as to as to what you know is going to come out about Just Care. Just Care is a county funded program, right, 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 right. And uh, they were pushing. There was a push earlier this year to get the city to help fund more money. Yes, for for, for this program. Yeah, uh, it's a it's kind of a coalition number of uh, service providers coming together. Yeah, around homelessness and around uh, the lead program. Right, yes, law enforcement the, assisted diversion. Prolific yep. offenders on mm-hmm. the on the on the street. Yep. And, and uh, but you know clearly, as a shift from you know in pandemic times to mm-hmm. you know be, they were you know the Just Care program has leased some hotel space, so they right, 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 have right. some ability to move very fast outside of mm-hmm. you know city coordinated hotel or county coordinated hotel spaces to yep. just get people off the street into hotel rooms and get yep. them stabilized really quickly yep, and start yep. surrounding them with the other services that Deal they with need. The other issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that seemed to be sort of making some progress and stuff. So there was a push mm-hmm. for the city to sort of Anti up as well to help yeah. you know sort of grow that program, which seemed to be having some success yeah. in in the short term of this. Right, right. Um, and uh, the mayor's office is balking a little bit, saying it's mm-hmm. a county program; it's not a city program. Yeah, it's not clear sort of what the structure would be sure. of having kind of dual management of this yeah. program. Mm-hmm. And uh, the city council didn't really seem to be very happy with that answer. Yeah. So I think we're going to hear more. And maybe, you know, maybe they've come to a solution on this. I, it, it's not It's not like anybody thought Just Care program wasn't working. No, no. I, yeah, I've actually connected we, with one of their care coordinators. Okay. It's a, it's an impressive program, a low barrier. Yeah. They're really connecting with people on the street. There aren't police involved. It's very health focused. Uh, do you need some needles, whatever else? I mean, it, it seems like a program that, that makes a good connection there, I guess. Right. And, you know, the city's got a bunch of money that's just come in from the ARPA relief funding. Right, Some right. Could, to the extent that, uh, you know, th- their responses to, uh, 
the problems that uh, COVID have caused yes, right. or exacerbated, yes. then they could spend some Ar- ARPA relief funding on that. Certainly. Um, yeah. And that, or, you know, they could do some money swap and, and, and find some other money in the, in the city coffers to go spend on that if they wanted right. to. Right. So, right. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see what the mayor's office comes back with and we'll see yeah. what the city council decides that they want to do. What kind of collaboration might be ahead? Thanks for that. Let's move on to our final segment here. What's next? Kevin, it is filing deadline time here in Seattle. We passed it Friday of last week. The latest numbers I'm seeing here, 17 candidates running for mayor, perhaps expected as Mayor Durkin is not going to be running again. Three candidates for city attorney, excuse me, two candidates for city attorney. We want to talk about one uh, major dropout there and six for council positions, eight and nine. Uh, Let's talk about that city attorney's race, Kevin, because that was a notable drop over this past week here. What's going on with Steve Fortney? Yeah, Steve Fortney sent out a a note uh, to uh, from his campaign saying that uh, you know for some personal reasons he just decided he didn't want to move forward, and he and he was really considered to be the strongest potential competitor. Microsoft guy, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, Microsoft guy, you know, attorney with an active practice on the east side who lives Mm -hmm. in Seattle, right? Uh, uh, And and he's dropped now, so really. there really is no significant competition. For Is, Pete Isabel Holmes. Kerner has not raised any money. Yeah, keep going. I, I, yeah, and, so, and Pete Holmes got a thirty-five thousand dollar war chest in his back pocket. So yeah, yeah. Um, and while not everybody is happy with Pete Holmes, yeah. you know, they're just uh, I guess nobody feels like they can really beat him, or it's, nobody wants that job, or, or no. And I notice it also with that position eight race with uh, Councilmember Teresa Mosqueda running again. It doesn't seem like there are a lot of competitors there. That really want to tangle with the with the incumbent. Do you see that trend there? Well, what I, do you think, think? I, I think there are a lot of. Uh, I don't think there are a lot of folks out there that really want to tangle with labor. Yeah, that's right? a bit that, and you that's know, what Teresa Mosqueda, Mosqueda represents for sure. She is she you know, she is the the you know if if despite the fact that she's a citywide uh, you yeah know, uh, representative mm-hmm. at the end of the day her district is labor. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. And. and she is. She has made. Uh, you know, she she has made no secret of the fact that yeah. that that is where her loyalties lie. Yeah, yeah. And that obviously, labor has a lot of political strength in the city. Yeah, nobody yeah. feels like going up against that. Yeah, it's interesting to note that um, Council President Gonzalez, who's a candidate for mayor, has right. been racking up the labor the the labor uh, yeah. endorsements as well, mm-hmm. and uh, almost almost all of them so far. Yeah. There have been a couple small ones that have gone to other folks, but really in the mayor's big, race, mm-hmm. she's been racking up. And we'll see that that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because yeah. um, she, you know, is council president and this city right. council is extremely unpopular. Yep. Yep. yep right. Very in, true. Across the political spectrum, mm-hmm. this city council, nobody is happy <laughs> with the city council. Right. 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 And city council is yeah. not happy with the city council half the time. Keep going. Right. Yeah. So, so, is labor endorsement enough to get to her it. into the yeah. mayor's office? Yeah, it's it's not at all clear. This no, year no, no it. way is that a guarantee. Right. Or, to get, yeah. or to get her even through the primary. Yeah, yeah, got to earn it. Got to earn it. All right. Well, we like to wrap up our show with the incredibly important issue of what to have with your coffee on your coffee break. Kevin always has the good baking advice. I generally just stick to chewing. But today, Kevin, something my daughter baked me once again. Take a look, if you will. I'm gonna pull this out here. This is. 
wool roll bread. Are you familiar with this at all? It's got these no. kind of ridges on top. This is so cool, man. Uh, Malaysian dish, a few different cultures make this. So basically the deal with this is very pillowy bread here. Kind of like you put it in a bunt cake form, shows up as a ring. Stuff it with some filling inside. There's some custard in there, actually. Mm. And then you bake it. Uh, excuse me. You you stuff that, stuff that dough. You cut it into some pieces. Then you kind of twist those pieces together and kind of put them together. It's difficult to describe, but basically it turns into this really beautiful ridged uh, baked product here. And it nice. kind of looks like wool yarn on top. That's the whole uh, woolly bread. It's, it's, it's also called. Uh, have you ever kind of knitted breads before? I, I know there's a, there's some work yeah. that's involved with this. And let me know about that. It's just, it's such a cool process and it looks so cool. Yeah, you know, mm. it's a traditional thing in a lot of cultures, right? Everything mm -hmm. from challah bread mm -hmm. to pretzels oh, yeah. to even thinking about, you know, sort of in the in mm. the south of the United States, if you're making a pie, mm -hmm. right? The, the the threading of, you know, rather than sort of have one big layer of dough Gotta on top. Got to interlace it, yep. You get strips and you interlace them. So, yeah, threading, mm. threading dough is a big thing in a lot of different cultures. And it's, yeah. it's you know, it's very... You know, it can be very intricate or not particularly in intricate. Right, uh, right. You know, but it's it's definitely a thing that that appears in, yeah. in a lot of places. It's and it's not. It, it looks hard. It's it, not really that right. Hard. No, I saw my daughter putting this together. Granted, it was a TikTok yeah. recipe she was following there, but it's like dur, 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 and it was like, wow, final yeah. product is pretty awesome. It just looks so cool and it tastes great. Yeah, and you know, the first time you try it, it, it seems very intimidating. Yes, right, 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 but, right. And and the first time you try, you're gonna mess up a little bit. It's not yeah. gonna come out as beautiful as you mm -hmm. like. But you know, you do it two or three times, and yeah, it's it's uh, you know, you really get the hang of it. Right, and right. It turns out to not be that hard. No, this is good. Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's either this or braiding your hair. I mean, we've we've got a lot of different options here, Kevin. And so. I don't have enough of that. So <laughs> okay. I'm not going to be braiding my hair. We'll, we'll stick with the bread. We'll just stick with the bread. How about that, Kevin? Thank you as always for your input, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right. And thanks, everybody, for listening here. Thanks also to our patrons. Please do support us on Patreon. If you can help us out at the $10 level, have we got an awesome Seattle News Views and Brews mug for you. We want to make sure we encourage that. Please give at any level. We really appreciate what you're able to give. Thanks to everybody for listening here to Seattle News Views and Brews, where you can always find out what's brewing in local politics. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. Again, please do become a patron on Patreon. If you like what you're hearing, we really could use your help. Thanks also for Converge Media airing this show. We will see everybody soon. Talk to you later. Seattle News, Views, and Brews is an independent production of Callanan Media Services. Copyright 2021.